This episode of Stuck in the 80s is brought to you by... We're at sea, and I'm a god at sea. The 80s Cruise. Find out more at the80scruise.com. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great! You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, now that we're finally past October 21st, 2015, and all that Marty McFly bull is over, let's go back to the past and honor three more rockers gone solo in the 80s. With me today, two guys who will never have to go solo in this world. It's Brad in L.A. and Just Drew. Donger's here for five hours and he's got somebody. I live here my whole life and I'm like a disease. <sighs> oh, Steve, come on. I'm uh, going solo. I'll buy myself all the time. No, I mean, you guys have beautiful, wonderful, loving families. I have a cat that bites me. <laughs> but that's its way of showing love. Uh, well, I mean, it loves me a whole lot. Demented and sad. Uh, she's laid out right in front of me, waiting for this podcast. So, yes, October 21st, 2015 is finally over. Uh, Back to the Future Day. Are you guys kind of glad that that's uh, uh, history? I was shocked that that was that big a deal. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. It's great. But, I mean, I put it on my calendar, like, I think three or four years ago as a joke. Like, I just stuck <laughs> oh, it funny. on Google Calendar, and I'm like, oh, ha, 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 Back to the Future Day. You know, maybe I'll watch the movies that day. Yay! Then thought, well, no, nothing will happen. Wrong. Just, and it was everywhere. Yeah. God knows I love the, the trilogy, but a little too much, maybe? It was possibly, pretty close. Pretty close. Possibly. It was towing the line. Yeah. I think for me, the thing I saw that said, you know, from at this point on, everything in Back to the Future will have happened in the past. Right. And I was like, that made me a little sad. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. It's always in, in our world. It's always been the future and it's no longer the case. The future? I'll get to see the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know what was kind of sad for me? The, the, the saddest part for me was um, when uh, Christopher Lloyd and – Michael J. Fox appeared yeah. on uh, the Kimmel show. Kimmel show. Yeah. And they're asking about the future. Like, you know, what do you guys have this? You guys have that. <laughs> it's like, we don't have any of those things. And then uh, Fox goes, what have you guys been doing for the last 30 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Harsh but I fair. think for me too, what was a little sad was watching, and I don't, I don't get anybody mad, but the deterioration of those two people. Like to me, Christopher Lloyd, you could see he's aged and he was having some problems. Um, and of course, you know, Michael J. Fox famously is ill, but it, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, I, I preferred to remember them as the vibrant characters that they were. Yeah. Very much so. so very yeah. Much it so. turns out that they didn't become a in the future. They just got old, which sucks. Yes. Curse them. Just, How dare sucks. they let that happen? Oh. <laughs> like, thanks for reminding us, guys. <laughs> exactly. My I own was mortality. I good until I saw that. <laughs> Do you ever have this moment? 
where you um yes. you, you meet somebody <laughs> um like like it's a coworker or whatever and you're thinking this person's at least 10 years older than me and they they say no 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 I'm 48 and you realize cuz you don't look at yourself as being mm-hmm. that old yet right. but you realize that you probably do look old to everyone else i mean it, <laughs> i mean yeah yes i do especially cuz i have a lot of gray in my hair and I can't even grow a beard anymore because my wife said it makes me, it, there's so much gray. It looks, it makes me look older. Yeah. It's about wow. 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. I can't and, grow facial hair to save my life, but same thing. Oh no. And then, the, then my daughter's, you know, friends will be over and they're like, yeah, that person was sold. They were like in their forties. I love a visiting with a grandma and a grandpa. Oh, right. I'm going to beat this kid. <laughs> like, you're going to have to go now. <laughs> yeah. So yes, Closer we have so those I can moments. Hit you with my cane, yeah. Well, and I think this comes back to something we've talked about too. That everyone kind of you self-identify as that you know twenty-something-year-old. You know, everything's in front of you. Hey, yeah, you know, everything's not in front of me anymore. Crap. Yeah, I I sort of in my head I figure I figure myself to be forty years old. Like really, really thirty-eight, forty. That's, wow, that's where, that's, I don't. See that's, myself nearly that. I'm old. so much younger than you are, Spearsy. <laughs> well, I just, I was okay. We, if, you know what? Two, two was it thirty between thirty eight and forty. A lot, of, a lot of cool stuff happened for me, and and so I, that's like the last great Camelot era of my life. Look, my leaves. Camelot, Camelot, Camelot. It's only a model. And I'm like, I'm, I'm cool. Like, 38, 40 is like, okay, you're, you still have a half a life left. Now it's starting to, the, the seesaw is tipping a lot further the other direction. And I, so I, <laughs> I'm going to hang on to 38 to 40 if that's okay with you guys. All right. Yeah. I just, here's, not to, look, I, not to start this off with such a downer at our, at the podcast, <laughs> it's but too late, we guys. can, I, having, can having myself. had, yeah, I know, I know. So I'm going to say this, having had some friends who have passed at a young age, to me, the chance to be 47, which I'm going to be in like a month or two, you know, that is really an honor. And it's something I'm really excited about because I get to keep seeing what's going to happen and I get to keep moving on and, and you know, see other people and friends get old as well. Yeah, sometimes it's depressing, but it sure is nice to look back and have the memories. Well said, Drew. So, that's very well wow. said. A little upbeat moment. I don't know if you. I don't know if that's <laughs> upbeat or not. I, 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 no, I, I, I was, was feeling teary there. I think, well, I, I think that's, uh, you know, emotions are complex things, Steve. Yeah. You don't always I don't wanna, uh, engage in that. But. I don't want us to look back at as, you know, as we get older, like, oh, the best of our life is behind us. Because I still think that there's a lot that we still get to do and a lot that we still get to see that as we were talking about the Back to the Future thing, it's kind of depressing. Like, what have you guys been doing in the last 30 years? It's we We've done some amazing stuff. We may not have hoverboards or flying cars, but we've got new ways to fight diseases. We've got more computing power in our pockets than we do, you know, than we did in a wall sized computer back in the eighties. So we have amazing stuff. We have technology that keeps us connected like a podcast, you know, that we can reach out to people we've never even met and become friends with them. I mean, that's and one of the things that the music they like to. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things I always said is it must be weird for you, Steve, is that, you know, I've been listening to the podcast for over 10 years now and I consider you a pretty good friend. And yet you don't know anything about me because, you know, you yeah, don't kind of know a one-way me. Transaction. You, yeah. It is a really a one-way transaction. And I, and I text you sometimes and I don't get a text back or something. And I'm like, what? 
he didn't text me back. My friend, and then I have to think about it. He doesn't freaking know me. You know, why I, would he? I, I, I don't I'm, think it's that. I'm texting strangers. Sure. Well, that's just my bad for not texting you No, back. no, no. It's, I, get, I totally understand it. You're, right. you know, you're a, a superstar and I'm just a peon. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Come on. No. <laughs> this is not, no, that's not. I swear to God, if I didn't text you back, it's because I didn't see it. I, I, no worries. I, I te- anybody texts me, I, I text them back. Carol Jansen says you answer her texts right away. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm not good looking enough. I don't know. No, no you can't, you can't, you're kidding, right? You're not, you're not serious about this. Oh, right? I'm t- yeah, I'm totally having fun. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because, geez, man, no, don't feel bad. No, I, I don't. Uh, putting Steve, but I, I would like to keep it as a positive. This is this is not a downer. You know, it's a it's a hopeful. I I think we still got a lot to look forward to. So. Yeah, Don't think I, of your 38 year as your as your best year ever. There's still good stuff to come, man. Well, the 38th year was when we started the podcast. Sure. So, and today we actually are recording episode number 350. 350. What a fantastic achievement that That's is! Amazing. <laughs> I you know. Remember, and I remember, like yesterday, us recording our 25th episode uh, and making a big deal of it because we thought. Yeah, that's this actually a probably- really cute episode to go back and listen to. It's like, yay, 25. 25 episodes. Here's, our, I mean, here's our 25 favorite moments for the first 25 podcasts. <laughs> I don't even – is that what we talked about? I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't think it was top 25. It was like top 10. Oh, God. It's funny. Go back and listen to it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It scares me how well you remember that stuff, Brad. I think maybe you need the restraining order. Yeah, well, how, <laughs> how do you think I got this gig? You know, keep your enemies close. We need the dues. Larry Kroger, all in favor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We need the dues. Good. Larry Kroger is now pledged to Delta Tau Chi. Next slide, please, D-Day. So anyway, 350, we thought we would revisit a popular series that we just started. Well, it's popular in our own minds anyway. Uh, we haven't done one of these since the summer, I think, right? Yeah. This is Rockers Gone Solo in the 80s. And we use the Rockers term loosely. It's musicians gone solo, artists okay. gone solo. So don't uh, don't give us grief if we just like Wes Daly was the rock work. critic for the, the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyone else annoyed by that besides me and Brad? I just thought it was hilarious. The rock critic thing. Yeah, the way he, he said w- it during interviews. Yeah, during interviews. Yeah, during interviews, with rock stars. He would say he was the rock critic. He's rock. I, see, and that would be the last way I'd want to introduce myself. Yeah, I'm a critic of everything you do. <laughs> Talk to me, <laughs> including how you cut eggs. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm totally sidetracking us here. I know, I know. That's okay. It's one of those episodes that uh, people we've gotten way off the rails. Well, it just feels like some that. patience. It just feels like that. Yeah. So the idea is um, with this series that we we honor some of the musicians who were in bands prior to the '80s and uh, decided to go solo during the '80s. We'll each represent um, a musician today. Hopefully, one that's close to our uh, hearts. And we'll have some fun. We'll we'll share some songs that maybe you haven't heard in a long time. And <clears throat> at least with my artists, I guarantee you, some of you have never heard of his name or his music ever. So uh, let's get started. Uh, Drew, who did you pick for your uh, Rocker Gone Solo in the 80s? I, I think this is a good choice, especially how we started off, because this is a person I, I who had a very troubled beginning and then blossomed in the 80s. I'm, I'm going to talk about Tina Turner. We don't often talk about female rockers on our uh, show, so this is... This was kind of fun. It was another reason I chose her. Tina was um, famously in a duel with her husband, Ike Turner. He had a notoriously bad drug habit, and he also had control over a career and really pretty much stopped everything for her in the mid-70s. 
she got a divorce from him in 78, but the way that they structured the divorce, it cost her a fortune. And she really had never gone solo before. So she was really having some trouble. But luckily, she had Rod Stewart and David Bowie offering their support. And they were going around to different um, labels and saying, you've got, you know, you've got to listen to her solo stuff. You've got to listen to her solo stuff. And then in 1983, she re- recorded a cover version of a song by Al Green called Let's Stay Together. And it went to number 26 in the U.S. And it got her a lot of attention. But it wasn't until June of 1984, when she was 45 years old, Steve, 45, that she released this album called Private Dancer, which had the biggest song at, the, at that time was a song called What's Love Got to Do With It? So what's love got to do with it? It was a huge song. Um, it went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It was a song she actually didn't like. She never really liked the song, but her uh, her manager, a guy named Roger Davies, convinced her to record it. Huh. Uh, it was massive. It won Record of the Year from the Grammys in 84, and Turner won Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Rock Vocal Performance that year, as well as 85 and 86 and 88. I wonder how she feels about it now. Do you think she still hates it? I think uh, I don't know. I mean, personally, if it was if it was me and something brought me back that big, um, she did say actually that she was glad that she took his advice. She was glad that she listened okay. to Davies. That's good. So, I mean, that's the thing um, is she's tied to that song now. She has oh, absolutely. to do that. If she's doing a concert, she's got to sing that. So, you know, yeah. It's it's never been my favorite. I, I mean, not to be the boo bird here, but no. I mean, I, I love her story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love her story. I, I love the story of Tina Turner. Yeah, and, and I do like a lot of her '80s stuff. You know, I think some songs from the '80s suffer from the fact that they were overplayed or had too much MTV uh, exposure. And this mm-hmm. this one might be one of the ones that kind of suffers from we heard it just a little too often. And, and yeah, again, I could see that. Could just yeah. be me. Could just be me. Well, I mean, it was a massive hit for her. I think everyone was impressed that she was able to come back. I remember when I saw it, because uh, to me, a lot of that music at that time is linked to the videos because sure. I watched MTV at, at a just crazy rate. And I remember seeing Tina Turner and walking along. I was like, God, that woman has some of the best legs I've ever seen. Didn't know she was 45 years old, <laughs> but she could sure strut it. And, uh, and, and then of course, you know, she goes on, she tours with the album. Brian Adams was one of her, uh, supporting acts and actually would come out on stage and perform one of the songs with her. Oh, nice. Um, in 85, continuing her comeback, she performed with Mick Jagger at uh, live aid and, uh, they performed state of shock. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. And funny thing was, if you watch that old, uh, the, the clip of the performance, they dance a lot alike. And I was looking at that and then I remembered, I looked it up. She actually claimed she taught Jagger how to dance on an early tour back in the sixties. So if you watch <laughs> Jagger dancing, she says she's the one that taught him that those moves and stuff. Interesting. The, the huh. kind of dancing around the stage, the way he marches around the stage, everything like that. Yeah. Uh, as we also know, she continued on outside of music and she did the, or she was, co-starring in the movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. She also uh, sang the main theme for that called We Don't Need Another Hero. We don't need another hero. 
Now, this is my favorite Tina Turner song yeah, from the I was, 80s. I'm, oh, really? I'm right there with you. I, this is a, a great song. What's funny to me is how much it sounds similar to What's Love Got to Do With It. It's it was actually a little more energy, though. I don't know. It has a little more. It, it's a little more um, epic. It's a little more. Uh, I think with the child's chorus coming in makes it really kind of unique, yeah. really fun. I, I just like how she always sneaks, sneaks in the lyrics in Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost like they wrote the song and then they realized, hey, we could adapt this to the movie <laughs> if we just add this one line. Just go re-record this at in Thunderdome. <laughs> The uh, the video also included the '80s staple, the sweaty shirtless sax player. Yeah, that's another good reason to like it. It's got uh-huh. that great sax solo, and, and yeah, it was the, the same guy who dude. did the Lost Boys. Yeah, the same yeah. guy who did Lost Boys. You know, he's he's got a he's got a niche carved out there. It'd be bad Certainly form does. for him to not take advantage. <laughs> well, you know, if you can have that kind of body and play the sax, I say you you do it. You I mean you, you have to. It's a moral imperative. It exactly. <laughs> she came out with another album in '86 called "Break Every Rule," which it did well. It hit twenty-three, uh, number twenty-three on the charts, but really didn't have any outstanding singles. And then finally, to kind of wrap up her '80s, she released a couple more albums. She did a live in Europe uh, tour album and one called "Foreign Affair," which had, which is actually one of my favorite Tina Turner songs. It's called "Simply the Best." Wasn't that a car commercial theme song? It's been used for everything at this point. And the funny <laughs> thing is, it was originally written for um, Paul Young. And he turned it down. And then another artist recorded it before Tina Turner. And she had a pretty good hit with it. But it was Tina Turner that made it her own. But Bonnie Tyler was the first person to actually sing it. A total uh-huh. eclipse of the heart, my friend. Uh-huh. And then Turner came along and... Her producer said she does, she has kind of a unique thing. She takes the song and he says she actually takes it home and she practices at home. She does all this stuff. And when she comes back in the studio, he says it is her song. She has figured out exactly how she wants to sing it and, uh, makes it her song. So interesting. Yeah. And then just as, as, as a wrap up to her career and her comeback, because, you know, she really did never look back after getting her solo career going in the eighties. Um, she had one of the highest grossing tours of 2008 when she came back and did her 50th anniversary tour. It's amazing. That's amazing. And last, it is amazing. I mean, it really is amazing. And then she was also the, she is the oldest person to ever grace the cover of Vogue. She did it in 2013 and she was 73 years old. Wow. So I think we can all look at Tina Turner as really, um, talking about you know, looking forward to the great things in life that still are to come. I mean, she's a living example of that. So I was really excited to pick her. And really, when I saw her name on the list of people we could choose, I thought, you know, there's someone really to look up to. And I, and I love Tina Turner. I think yeah. she's fantastic. She's I mean, really had a great attitude about everything about it. Even if you're not a fan of the music, you have, that's a story yeah. that's inspiring. Of course. And it's a great story. I, I, I am stunned and amazed that you turned my morose beginning of the show <laughs> into a segue that's so appropriate. 
come on. Tuna I know it. I mean, it, it. It's great. <laughs> it's like it's like we had written it down and planned it that way. And I swear we, to God, we didn't. No, we're not that smart. got defensive. You know, I mean, maybe we're, it was we're, because we're emotionally been... manipulative, but we're not that smart. I, yeah, there's 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 nothing in the notes today that says insert Eeyore here. It just <laughs> it just, just kind of shows where it went. People, yeah, it, I, maybe it was because I had been reading about her and and been inspired that I got defensive when you were saying your best times were behind you. I was like, no, they aren't. Well, simply the best, Steve. You're simply the best. No <laughs> Tina Turner. Um, you got great legs too, Steve. Oh, actually, that, I, yeah. I, I actually do think I have fairly nice legs. I, I, that's the one thing I'll kind of give myself credit for. Uh, Brad, you're up next. Oh, Who, God. Are you going from this conversation of, about your legs? Yes. Make a segue <laughs> between my legs and Rick Ocasek. Let's talk about someone else who has legs, Rick Ocasek. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> so my rocker gun solo today is Rick Ocasek. Hey, Jimmy. So Rick Ocasek, you might have heard of him, uh, songwriter, lead singer most of the time, and the rhythm guitarist for the Cars. He and his friend Ben Orr had worked together on a bunch of things. Uh, you know, you kind of think, oh, there are the Cars. Well, before they actually, you know, landed something with the Cars, they were in a folk rock band called Milkwood. Uh, they were in a band called Richard and the Rabbits. Any guesses as to who provided that? Band name suggestion, Spearsy? I think it'll be a name that we'll be talking about very yes, shortly. I think he's going to come up, a certain Jonathan Richmond. And another act called Captain Swing before they formed The Cars with David Robinson and Greg Hawks. The Cars, well-known rock band. I think we could talk about great. them all day long. Great, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Ocasek, in addition to that stuff, had two solo albums in the 80s. Um, in 1982, he released Beatitude which is not to be confused with the Beatitudes, which are from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Blessed are the podcasters, for they can talk on and on, and you have no control over it. Beatitudes sounds a lot like early Cars albums to me. Yeah, It's a little spotty, but the song that we just played, Jimmy Jimmy, which is the first song on the album, it's just a fantastic song. It's got this great groove, and this, this really the lyrics are kind of it speaks to you a little bit. They're talking about you know well, what are you up to, Jimmy? What's going on in your life? Why do you seem so depressed? What's the deal with you? You know, and there's a there's one line that always got my attention that was they want to talk to you about something they found in your drawer under a Hustler magazine, and I was always like, what was? They don't want to talk to you about the Hustler. Yeah, they want to talk yeah, to you about that's... something else. What, what, where were you really hiding? Yeah. Is there any indication as to why Ocasek decided to do his solo stuff? I mean, he, he had a pretty good thing going there with the cars. Yeah, I don't know. And it sounds I mean, so much like the cars. Yeah, it really does. I think that, you know, my, my theory, and we'll have to talk to him sometime to see how far off base I am, is that he just had a lot of other material um, that he wanted to do his way. You know, he didn't want to have to compromise with his bandmates on things. This first album, hmm. first solo album, is a little, like I said, it's a little uneven. There are songs that he plays all the instruments on, and I wonder if he just wanted to go, look, I just want to go work on my music, man, you know. So, you know, I don't know if it's just songs that the rest of the 
band didn't like or stuff that he wanted to do that was maybe a little bit different direction. But it, honestly, you could shuffle this with the first two Cars albums and you might not be able to pick out the tracks that were his solo yeah. stuff. Yeah. You sent us a link to the video. Oh, yeah. And you said they shot this video outside this bar. And it was funny because you sent me the link. And uh, I didn't even know this, but I was working about less than a block away from that bar, and I drove by it pretty much every day on my way home. That's so funny. I mean, it's one of those things where I saw the video, I'm watching the video, and I see there's a sign on the wall, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a business name. So immediately, I'm like, well, let me see if I can find that business. Well, it's, you know, it's a bar that's like, what, maybe two blocks from Grumman's Chinese? Yeah, yeah. Right around it's, the- it's, uh, it's just east of Highland, for those of us, you who listen and listen, live in Los Angeles, just east of Highland, um, on Hollywood Boulevard, um, just kind of down a little bit of a side street. Yeah, the name of the bar is Bordner's. Uh huh. And that sign's still there. It looks like a looks like the kind of place I'd like to go have a few cocktails. Although I'm not sure how I get home afterwards. Uh, There's we'll always huge lines at those places, though. That's the crazy thing: is these little out of the way, hole in the wall bars. Uh, you go on a you know Friday night, you're driving home, and you look up, and there's just a line and Darn people hipsters. trying to get in already. Ruining yeah, hipsters. Damn it. Uh, so back to Rick. His second solo album in the '80s was This Side of Paradise. This was a little more successful. He had a top twenty hit from this um, called Emotion in Motion. So, again, this sounds very Cars. It sounds to me like a sequel to Heartbeat City. And the the parallel I'll draw is, do you remember when uh, Joe Pesci started showing up in um, Lethal Weapon movies? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joe Pesci shows up, and he tests well. And so Mm -hmm. the next time, they will put some more of him in there. So I think it's kind of the same with the Heartbeat City album where people like the synthesizers. Let's do more synthesizers because it's really synthesizer-y. There's not – I mean there is some guitar in there here and there, but it's very electronic. And the, in general, the, the tempo is a little quieter. They're a little more lovey-dovey songs kind of stuff. Everybody but the drummer from the Cars, uh, Robertson, shows up on the album at some point. And there's a ton of people that play on there on different tracks. Steve Stevens plays on some tracks. Roland Orzabal plays on some tracks. Um, the Chris Hughes, who was a drummer for Adam and the Ants and also produced uh, Tears for Fears albums, The Hurting and Songs from the Big Chair, plays drums on it. So there's a ton of kind of guest appearances on there. I really like this album, and I'm surprised that I didn't pick Rick Ocasek for the first Rockers Gone Solo. Just It just slipped my mind because I, I listened to this nonstop when I was in college. So what's Rick Ocasek up to these days? Well, counting his money. Um, so he released a few more solo albums after the 80s. Nothing that's really splashed the charts. He's done a spoken word album. Uh, uh, but he's done a lot of producing. He's produced for Bad Brains. He's produced Weezer, uh, a couple of platinum albums for them, uh, Bad Religion. And uh, he's also produced some uh, Jonathan Richmond's work. In 2010, the surviving members of the Cars got back together and did a new album called Move Like This, and they actually toured a little bit to support it, which is kind of shocking. I liked that album a lot. I, yeah. I thought it was a great album. Yeah, it's good. It's good. 
The only yeah. thing I was missing was the cars always had that very unique sound. And one of the great things about their sound was the backing vocals that they would always throw in. Yeah. And this album didn't have any of that. And I thought that was really missing a missing element of yeah, the car it's sound. Yeah, a little stripped down. Yeah. 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 Well, no Benjamin Orr, I imagine, you know, it, it shows up. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, yeah. That's where you notice it. So. And the last thing that I know of that he did was in 2012, he released a book of lyrics, which is so bizarre. Wow. It's a book of all the car songs, all the solo stuff, all the lyrics, along with his words on his website, a beguiling selection of his poems, prose, and original photographs. Jeez. $27 on Amazon. Oh, my you God. You can have this collection of pretentiousness for 27 dollars. i want him to sign it too yeah no <laughs> kidding i want his wife to sign it yeah he's yeah, uh, yeah there's the throw-in he's still married to paulina porskova i just saw a picture of them and she still looks amazing and he probably still looks like a toothpick with dark hair yeah <laughs> he actually do you guys ever hear of uh, a group called the rentals i don't know steve would because they're a past 80s band they were in the 90s no they had one hit song and it was a minor hit it was called friends of p and basically Rick Ocasek produced the album and Paulina was there and she said, nobody ever writes a song about her. And so they wrote the song. That's what P stands for. And uh, that song is friends of Paulina. Funny. And it was their, like their only hit song. There you go. A little bit of weird trivia. <laughs> that is weird trivia. That um, man so you, was Albert Einstein. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of the listeners at home are probably sitting here wondering why um, Brad keeps name dropping uh, the name Jonathan Richmond. That's what we call foreshadowing in the business. Foreshadowing. Yeah. It doesn't work so well when it's a name you don't know. <laughs> and I think there's probably a lot of people out there who don't know who Jonathan Richmond is. And he's my pick, uh, obviously, for Rocker Gone Solo in the 80s for the show. Chances are, you, although you may not know his name, you kind of probably know his music. In 1970, Jonathan founded a band called The Modern Lovers. And The Modern Lovers were kind of a pre-punk band. One of the bands that kind of like uh, Roxy Music and in the sense that they kind of foreshadowed what was coming in the 80s. Um, one of their tunes, I guarantee you, most of us have heard. Uh, this one's called Pablo Picasso. Some people try to pick up girls and get called assholes. This never happened to Pablo Picasso. You could walk down your street, girls could not resist the stare. And so Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. Where do you guys know that song from? Repo Man, brother. Repo I knew it from you. I had never heard it before until – you. actually, I think you mentioned it on a previous podcast. Oh, it's such a good yeah, yeah. I had no idea there was a cover. Pablo Picasso. Uh, Steven Spears was, was never yeah. covered. <laughs> 1972, it was re-recorded by the Burning Sensations for the Repo Man soundtrack. Obviously, we're playing the 1972 version here. Back in 72, it was recorded by the Modern Lovers, produced by John Cale, who we all know from our studies was – anybody? John Cale? Uh, he, uh, he 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 created. Don't vegetable. even make a vegetable joke. I knew it was going there. <laughs> he's, he's in all of C- our smoothies. C A L E. I use spinach. Oh, damn it. Uh, one of the founding members of Velvet Underground. Oh, oh okay. So nice. Modern lovers like the Velvet Underground heavily influenced a lot of eighties music. Yeah. Um, the Modern Lovers also had a keyboardist by the name of Jerry Harrison. Oh, Anyone? man with a gun. <laughs> Jeez, oh, this wait, guy no, sp- spawned everybody. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess he was in the Talking Heads too, right? Yes, he would go on to co-found the Talking Heads. Their their drummer was a guy named David Robinson, who, as Brad in LA has already said, would become the drummer of the, the Cars, Cars, the and then cars. not be and be the only guy not to be on uh, on Rick Ocasek's solo albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was probably busy. Uh, if you did not recognize 
Pablo Picasso, you probably recognize this song. Um, another song that's been covered by everybody. This song is, of course, Roadrunner. Come on, guys. You know that song, uh, right? Yeah, I, I recognize that song. I do, and I got to tell you, I hadn't heard it in a long time. And when you sent it to us to listen, I couldn't believe how much that sounded like early Lou Reed or Iggy Pop. I love this yeah, song. Yeah, that's a really good – yeah, that's a great comparison. And the video well, is just hypnotizing. It was like there's a Volkswagen yeah. Beetle in every shot. Where do they come from? Yeah. Where do they go? Uh, this was such a great song. I love this song now. It was recorded also by the uh, Sex Pistols, did a de- demo of it in 1976. Uh, Johnny Rotten would go on and say that he hates all music, but Roadrunner is his favorite song. <laughs> it's like there you the, go. the first level of hell. Yeah, and, and hardcore, <laughs> hardcore East fans would know that uh, Joan Jett also covered it on her uh, 1986 album, Good Music. Did, so there you go. Did Joan Jett ever do anything original? I hate to bag on Joan Jett, but it's all, no, it's it's okay. all covers all the way down. No, no, no I, I got gotcha. you. How she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is beyond me. I mean, she's obviously well, talented, she, but yeah, I guess and she's she, not she a in for the, the Runaways. Was that part of that, or just because was it her uh, solo that she was nominated or inducted? I, I mean, was, really, are you defending the Hall of Fame, Steve? No, no, I'm not defending the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm just finding another reason to ridicule it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, the whole point is Jonathan Richmond does, of course make it to the 80s. The modern lovers do not. The original version of them, anyway, disbanded in 1974. Jonathan Richmond did record and tour occasionally as Jonathan Richmond and the modern lovers. But um, a lot of people like me, for example, saw him for the first time in the 80s. I've seen him in concert, I think, more than anybody else. Really? Uh, at least, I think at least, well, it, it's it's skewed now. I've probably seen Flock of Seagulls now. Yeah. The most number of times you've because been they, in, they've they been sh- in Mike Score's presence. I don't know if you can say you've seen the flock of seagulls. No, yeah, because I mean, but they're on there. They tour on every tour, so you're you always, no matter who you go see, there's flock of seagulls opening for him. So, well, Jonathan Richmond in the '80s would tour solo, and he would just get up on stage. He would be in the bar wherever he was going to play. Yeah, he'd be like at the bar having a beer, listening <laughs> to the jukebox, right up until the time he has to go on stage. He would take a bus by himself from city to city. With just his uh, his amplifier and his guitar, a tour and bus he, or like a Greyhound bus? No, just a Greyhound bus. Trailways, brother. Trailways. Oh, sorry, Trailways. <laughs> East and Coast would, Trailways. Uh, yeah. He would go on stage. He would just like plug in his his amplifier, plug in his guitar, and he would stomp along on the stage for a percussion. Nice. He was great. He was just he was like the happiest man in rock and roll. It was just like all smiles and fun it down stories. To the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was uh, making all the money. That was all profit for him, if you think uh, about it. No drummer, no nothing. And yeah, he's, no only playing, yeah. he's only playing in front of 100 people, maybe. Though. Yeah, but he's, that's all cash. So I haven't seen him probably <laughs> in about 20 years. He was just in Florida like two weeks ago. And he didn't call? No, he didn't call. <laughs> and when the show's over, he'll either hang out at the bar or he'll uh, – He'll go Ask to another party sort of. Station. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I wouldn't. That's I gotta not catch the eleven thirty. But anyway, to make a long story short, here's one of my favorite '80s songs from Jonathan Richmond. This one's called "Give Paris One More Chance." Well, if you've been to cities, but you've had enough, have you been to Paris, France? And if you doubt that Paris was made for love, 
Chevalier must have done something right to get passion this way. If you don't think Paris was made for love, give Paris one more chance. Kind of a nice song. Yeah. His voice is so, I can't quite place it. It reminds me of someone and I can't put my finger on it. That's a really cool yeah. song. Here's a weirdness. And, and chances are, if you haven't remotely understood anything we've talked about to now, if you saw the 1998 film, There's Something About Mary, then you saw Jonathan Richmond. He is in the movie playing the theme song and other songs throughout the movie. He's kind of part of a two-man Greek chorus. His drummer is there, Tommy Larkins. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I forgot yep, about I remember that. that. So you see him there. He also appears briefly in a bar scene uh, in the movie Kingpin. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> I so. totally forgot. Just re- as soon as you said that, I remembered his face in that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That made me very excited. <laughs> and, and, if you, and, if you've ever, and if you've ever seen the movie uh, Fever Pitch, he performs the song As We Walk to Fenway Park. Very cool. Now he speaks. I'm assuming fluent French because I saw something that was a the the something about Mary theme song, and they did two versions of it: one in English and one in French. Yeah. And since he has that, give Paris one more chance, and he has a lot of French words in there. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple other songs. In fact, um, one of the times I saw him, he he came back and his final finale was a song entirely in French, huh. and somebody I was with was kind of pissed about it, and went up to him afterwards and said something like. Why do you come back for your final, you know, song and play a French a song in French? And he just kind of like, ah, oh, because I wanted to. It's one of my favorite songs. Kind of just like not at all insulted by the question. Yeah, just you know, not not even remotely affected. Just he's just that kind of guy. Like super easygoing. If I interviewed him for the podcast, it would probably last three hours. I'm sure <laughs> that'd be awesome. And half in French. <laughs> half Wait. in French. I'm like, ah, you're talking French again. You got to stop that. You, you know what else could last three hours? The Saggies. There was a not Steve joke in there somewhere, but I decided I'd leave it be. Not Steve. Oh. <laughs> ah, the Miscore frame that is Reader Mailbag. Uh, today we have a letter from Christian Lopez who wants to talk a little bit about Back to the Future Part 2. Brad, take it away. It would be my absolute pleasure. Christian writes, great podcast on Back to the Future Part 2 last week. Like you guys, I too like this movie quite a bit. So much so that I prefer it to the third installment. Eh, I don't uh, know, Christian. Yeah, the, I liked it, but it because of the way they had to set up the third one, it left such an open ending. Yeah. That was the thing that took me out of it. Yeah. Well, okay. Christian continues. Part of that owes to the fact that I can count on maybe four fingers the number of westerns I've ever really liked. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll give you a pass Ooh, yeah. on that one. I'm just yeah, we'll put you in Camp Spearsy for that one. Yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of the genre, and I echo Sagan's observation that those types of time paradoxes would probably be the result. But that's a nerd conversation for another time. I don't know. We seem to be having it right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the ultimate nerd conversation. Once again, Christian continues, on a different note, Steve, I'm a sucker for time travel theme movies too, and I'm guessing you might get blasted with more than one suggestion from 80s Nation. Well, that's what I'm about to do too. If you haven't seen the film Primer, give it a look. Probably the smartest time travel movie out there. There's a lot of science in it that some folks thought was boring, but I thought was great. Actually, the best example of time travel I've seen might be the underrated Somewhere in Time. But that, too, is a nerd conversation for another time. Is it possible Somewhere in Time is underrated? No, it's not underrated. Are you underrated. joking? 
Christian, you know what's you funny? Realign that rating dial you got going there because it's all out of whack. <laughs> you know, you know. Speaking of somewhere in time, they I think it's right about now. They're having a 35th anniversary celebration of the movie in Mackinac, Michigan. Boring. And, and, what? <laughs> Stow it, Williams. And uh, whoa, is this a love story that Steve is all over? I love this. And, yeah, because um, yeah, the guy dies but, at the end. Yeah, because he dies. That's the best part. <laughs> but the whole original cast, minus, of course, uh, Christopher Reeve, is, is going to be there uh, for the uh, 35th celebration. Nice. Have you guys seen Primer? No, I have not. I have. Okay. It's, I, to me, it's kind of, oh, you have? Yeah, and I needed to then watch it a couple of three more times to figure out what the hell happened. Like, yeah, wait, I've watched I the first half. Online. Yeah, I've watched the first half because it's kind of bleak. It's a little dark, yeah. But I find it interesting that those are the two that he chooses because the method for time travel is so vastly different. In Primer, they actually develop yeah. a time machine, and they're yeah. trying to like the time machine is the central thing. In Somewhere in Time, he just Somewhere thinks time, it. It just yeah, it's the it's the think <laughs> system from uh, the music. Yeah, band. it's like I really, oh, it I really want to go back in time. I really want to go back in time. Hey, I'm back in time. Bing. <laughs> Your wish <laughs> that has been granted. Yeah. I mean, think of it that this way. If that system worked, I would be back in time by now. Yeah. I've been talking yeah, about hey, the Drew, we 10 should years. do that. Then you and I could have this podcast going. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I wish Steve was back in time. Go I wish Steve was back in time. <laughs> Christian wraps it up here with uh, always stuck in the 80s with you guys. Thanks for podcasting. Cool. Yeah, I'll check out Primer. But uh, somewhere in time, I-, I can't believe you don't like it, Brad. You know, I think the wife might enjoy it if you put that on some night. She doesn't want to sit yeah. anywhere near me, so I don't know why that would be. Richard! Richard! I love that movie. I love that movie. It's got a fantastic score. John okay. Barry's score is amazing. And despite the fact that it is just a, I want to go back in time, and it happens, um, I did really enjoy it. And and Jane Seymour, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, She's yeah. ridiculously hot. <laughs> uh, off the charts. She's an attractive woman. And yeah. she's had twins. You know how I am about people that have twins. I love people that have twins. <laughs> I just thought Julie Roberts, just like Darth, twins. just like Darth Vader. Mia Hamm, yeah, maybe we should twins. do. Maybe, we, <laughs> maybe we'll do uh, somewhere in time uh, for our Valentine's Day show this this year. Fine. <laughs> we'll get we'll get someone like we'll get Drew. We'll get Carol Jansen. Uh, I think Carol Jansen likes it. Of course she does. She has two X chromosomes. <laughs> Hey, you don't hey. have to have two X chromosomes to like that movie. No, it's not exclusive, it's not- but everybody that does have two X chromosomes does like it. Jeez. Well, see, now it's now it becomes I'm going to have to have, watch it with my girls and see if they like it because they've never seen it. So, You know, come to, to think if- of it, I don't really like Rick Ocasek. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, Jonathan Richmond's a hack. <laughs> everybody likes Tina Turner. What were you saying, Drew? You're going to have to watch it with your kids? I'm going to have to watch it with the girls to see if the uh, X chromosome thing is, uh, is an issue. You know, because yeah, I like it. Know. I like that movie. I'll, go, I'll watch it again. Let us know, what, let us know how that turns out. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, sounds anyway. good. As always, uh, send your emails to sitas at gmail.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Uh, you know the spiel here. We will play a snippet from a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the second the 80s bottle opener. Pay attention. Here's our clip from our last show. Yes, Steve, we're a rubber. Heard of your face. Not a lot of people got this one, uh, but that's what's hard. Yeah. It's Secret Admirer. Yeah, I'm I'm pissed I missed that one. Because once I once you told me what the answer was, I'm like, yeah, of course that's I wouldn't it. have gotten it. I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, um, I, I never even heard of this movie. 
Really? Yeah. What? Oh, I just got yeah, a I've never heard of this movie. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we had a few winners. Kelly um, Preston. That's all I'll say. Kelly Preston. Yeah. Moving on. Name the winners, Brad. Winners this week include Tom in Austria, Ryan the Pirate in Nashville, and Pinhead, who writes, Hey, Stephen Brad, great show as always. Okay, I may have had some help on this one, but this week's mystery movie moment is from Secret Admirer. Didn't everyone have a slight crush on Lori Laughlin back then? My answer would be yes. Yes. Uh, you mentioned your recent Breakfast Club screening. Do you think Molly Ringwald would come back to the show to receive all the 80s attention and love she deserves? That would be awesome. Hopelessly stuck in the 80s, Pinhead. Um, I doubt she would uh, come back on the show, but you never know. Um, so there was kind of a world's collide moment last week when Molly Ringwald showed up on the Men in Blazers TV show. Do you guys, right. you guys don't? Men you guys are Blazers? American football fans, not soccer fans. Men in Blazers is a, a soccer show that's on NBC Sports on Monday evenings, and she showed up to promote Gem and the Holograms, which was the weirdest. Cast, what the weirdest? That doesn't booking. make any it, sense. It really didn't. It was very jarring to see her there. Yeah, but one of the hosts is a huge fan and actually had her sign his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that well, there's very that. Strange. So, so if she's doing shows like that. Nah, she's not doing stuck in the '80s. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I have a question for you guys. The, the movie was Secret Admirer. Did you guys ever write or receive a Secret Admirer letter? You guys ever send one out? I don't think so. Take no. that risk. I mean, if no? I if I did, I blocked it out so completely I don't remember it. If if I did it, it wasn't a full. It was not a full letter. It would have been like a, a carnation. A carnation. We all know how that. Oh, is. so yeah. No, I was. Why? Have, have yeah, you? I did. I was working at this place, and I got this. Was, I worked in the mailroom of this company. It was back in the late eighties, maybe eighty nine. And uh, I received a letter in my in my mailbox that said, "Someone here wants to have sex with you." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "What <laughs> the <laughs> hell?" <laughs> and yeah, you know, isn't this this the plot of uh, Secret of My Success? I don't know. No, no. Maybe. Carl, Carlton Whitfield just does it. He doesn't wait for the note. He doesn't wait yeah. for the I'm sorry. We're, we're, no, we're, just, it, it kind we're of became a expense. disaster. Yeah, well, I mean, we you could because what happened was so we had an idea what department it came from because there was this department right next the to the mailroom. <laughs> we're working in the mailroom, but also right next to our department was this group of uh, young women, also our age, there was, you know, like five guys working in the mailroom and there was about seven, eight girls working in this, uh, accounts department. And with the, pro- the problem was, is we, since I didn't know who it was and I showed it to my friends, obviously this all got around the departments, you know, yeah. someone wrote Drew this letter and we were all at lunch. And at one point the letter got brought up and I didn't know that the girl who brought it up was the girl that wrote the letter. I should have been smart enough to figure uh, that out. The old... Yeah, the old switcheroo. Yeah. She was like, oh, so tell us about this letter. And I'm like, oh, well, you know. And then, of course, one of her friends says, well, who do you think it was? Well, I didn't pick the girl that sent it because she had a boyfriend at the time. So I picked this other one. I'm like, well, it had to be Jennifer because Jennifer's single and Jennifer's kind of hot. No, no, no. And I kind of went off <laughs> on like, that. You got a shovel and start digging. <laughs> oh, big time. And then it became, you know, when it got out, who it really was that sent the letter. You know, I played, and I think rightly so, I was, you know, confused. Like, wait a minute, she has a boyfriend. Why would she send this letter? I don't know. I didn't know people actually cheated on people. So it was kind of a surprise. But, yeah, it kind of caused a lot of problems in the, in between the two departments for a while until it all got straightened out. But I don't know. I just wondered if you guys ever 
sent out a letter or got a letter or anything like well, that. Well, see, the difference it is It doesn't true. always go as planned. Is you're, what I'm a, you're an attractive young man, and Steve and I are shriveled up, was. Shriveled up old dudes that don't attract that kind of attention. I, Dude, I, I never were, saw the movie Secret Admirer, so I don't know. Does uh, okay. it end happy? Was it, I, no, no. Nothing oh. Of course it does. The Everybody. guy he swims out to the boat. Everybody dies. He, steal, he steals the guy's alpha, drives down to the pier, and jumps into the water after the girl. Come on. It's awesome. Wow. That didn't happen yeah, it's, with it's, my letter. It's a, you know what? Of all the, it's one of those genres of movies. There, there was a billion of them in the eighties. Yeah, you know, yeah. and um, it, it is kind of forgotten, except for it had C. Thomas Howe and uh, again, um, Kelly Preston. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, it's an interesting movie. What? Um, so you, with the, I'm, I'm more curious about your your letter now. So you <laughs> you weren't tempted at all. I mean, you basically have a woman saying she wants to have sex with you. You weren't like. Well, what was, I mean, in all honesty, I, I also had a girlfriend at the time, so it was just kind of like not going to happen. But oh. eventually the, the girlfriend I had at the time, we did break up and I ended up having, um, a, a, a relationship with the girl that did send the letter. Oh, you did a brief one, uh-huh. but yeah, we did it. But like, so like two, three minutes? years later, no, no, <laughs> not, not that 15, brief? 15 minutes again. <laughs> it wasn't more than four hours, you know, because, no, because no, the no, doctors no. had to get involved. No, we dated a little, just for, I don't know, maybe a month or something, but that's it was a, that's uh, a significant amount of time at that age. Yeah, I guess. A month's like a year now. Feels like it. Yeah, sure <laughs> does. <laughs> now <laughs> who's depressed? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I went dark. Um, anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, mystery clip. 7-Eleven, how can I help you? Pumps one and two, hit them. What are you, some kind of nut? You got one unleaded there and one premium. It goes both ways. If you know it, email us at sitaz at gmail.com or steveinthe80s at gmail.com or bradinthe80s at gmail.com. Ah, the familiar refrain of name that 80s tune. We will play a clip from a song from the 80s, and you know the rest of the drill. Pay attention. Here was the song from our last show. Ah, yes, that's It's a Mistake by Men at Work. This was another example of, you know, I listen to the podcast on my in my car, and I can't email while I'm driving, but I know this tune. I mean, this is a fantastic tune. It's a great song, but I forgot to email in, so I'm not one of the winners. Uh, You're always many, a winner many, to many, us, many people, I, I clearly, um, nobody, I mean, nobody got it. We only have no. about 50 names here. That's interesting, though, <laughs> um, it's a really short clip, but it's it's like, that's exactly what it is. You just, you just, mm-hmm. yep. just boom. In there. Yeah. I, um, I was actually, uh, not that I need to go into this much detail, but I was actually trying to find a clip from... Uh, was it Doctor Jekyll and Mister Jive? Oh yeah, yeah. And I couldn't find like a clip that didn't have I mean, the guy. There's lyrics throughout the entire song. There's no like no break, no break where I could steal just uh, a couple notes. So I end up going with it's a mistake. Yeah, well, that was a good choice. Fine, just kind of in a minute work mood. Uh, Brad, read. Take a deep <clears throat> breath and uh, read some winners. Here we go. Uh-oh. Winners this week include Marissa Rapier, OJ from Lacaruna, Spain, John in Phoenix, Oliver the Bard Bardenhire, 
Todd Cunningham, Charles from Yorktown, Eric Eaton in Cincinnati, Trinette Mackey, Kurt in Dirty Jersey, Kevin Eleven, Dave in Kansas City, Bernie the Dutch Oven Lindemann in Sydney, Australia. Oh, jeez. I don't want to know, Bernie. I don't want to know. <laughs> Kevin Winch, Jason Melmer, John Hayes, Lou, Sweet Lou, really, Tim in Harrisburg, Ken Hughes, Eddie in El Paso, Jason, no, really, bottle openers are useful, Blisky, Ryan the Pirate in Nashville, Dr. Dim, PJ Vareccia, Beat Poet J, Chris B. Critter, James in Indy Crabtree, and Douglas the General, Arthur, who wrote, Duty Now, Spuds, <laughs> oh wait, no, he wrote, Just Listen to the Cast, Fun Show, here's the answer to this week's music clip. It's a mistake by Men at Work. You'll probably get a million correct responses to this, but I have a unique connection slash aversion to this song. In 1987, I was involved in a music video production for a class project. The director, also ironically named Steve, I think we're using irony Has in the wrong Yeah, way. I was wondering about the ironically. It, I, <laughs> I think, think the word you're right. looking for is heroic. Right. I don't like your attitude, Mr. Arthur. Uh, he loved Men at Work and chose this for the song. I played a Max Headroom-esque character named Digital Doug, who introduced the video and made lame jokes afterward. But the reason this song is so drilled into my head was oh. the 15-hour editing session I did overnight. <laughs> In those days, editing was done with a process called A-B roll, which was very tedious and required lots of rewinding and replaying of the videotape. Well, you didn't do it with razor yeah. blades? Come, Come on, on, that's Doug. new school, man. Cut tape. Let's cut some tape. As you can imagine, we were driven to near insanity by the end of the session. Yeah, if you do stuff like that, I'm sure this is true for oh. you, Drew, where the song just it drills into your head and you hear what The best part is, is you, you finish the projects and then, you know, it used to be it would take a couple of weeks before it would, uh, before it would air. Now it's like yeah. I finished something on a Friday and it's actually airing on Saturdays, but it's the first thing you always notice too when they, when you hear it somewhere else outside of your edit bay, you'll be walking along, you hear it on the street or it'll be on TV and you're like, oh, oh, I know that song. And then you look up and it's something you cut, but it's always the song. Doug continues, the worst part about this was forevermore being known as Digital Doug around the media <laughs> studies department until I graduated in 89. Thanks for the memories, guys. Uh, Mr. Arthur, I will say you could do a lot worse in the next yeah. department. I mean, he's typecast, though, it sounds like, you know. Um, when you own that role, Digital yeah, Doug, you stay. Matter of fact, that's, he called himself the General Arthur? Nope. I, I do that. Oh, okay. Well, that was, I was going to say, I like that yeah. Douglas the General Arthur, but I think we need to call him D Digital Doug. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's where, where he is, is now. In my Sorry. Book now. Uh, so, spin the wheel, Brad, and let's find out who won the bottle opener. Come on, Drew. Come on, Drew. And the winner is PJ Vericia. Oh. Excellent. Sorry, Drew. Okay. You know the drill, PJ. Uh, send us your snail mail address, and uh, we will get a bottle opener to you quickly. Wait, I'm supposed to do it quickly? Oh, crap. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us at sitas.gmail.com and tune in next week to find out if you are a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. Seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, 
Cool and the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jessie's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. No little cinnamon gum freshens breath longer than Big Red. So kiss a little longer, laugh a little longer, stay close a little longer, longer with Big Red. That Big Red freshness has my through it. So fresh, fresh, goes on and on. While you chew it, say goodbye a little longer, make it last a little longer. Congratulations on podcast number 350, Steve Brad and 80s Nation. Just remember, get some beer and download the podcast for free. You got Brad and you got Spearsy. Say hey, hey, I say thank you, stuck in the 80s. And we're back. And hey, thanks, Robert Jordan. That's a really nice message. Uh, yeah, 350 shows. What a milestone. That's amazing. Too bad my life's That's are 75 over. for me. 75? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Came in at 275. Jeez. I'm trying to think. Of how, I don't know how many I've been on. If you uh, include the, the – was it the 200th? Or which was the one where you had everybody call it? Or it was the final episode with you and Sean. That was the first time I was on. That was, that was actually – I'm sorry. I misspoke. That was 275. I'm on 276. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've probably been on 20 shows, maybe, maybe. I think. Too many, I'm sure, by your guys' count. I'll, we'll just look at the top downloads, and those are yeah, all right. Yeah. And or care. So, um, we have just a few minutes left, and we wanted to – we've kind of hinted at it a couple times during this show, and it wasn't intentional. But uh, you might remember – cast your mind way back. What was it probably nine the months? fall afternoon. <laughs> last fall. <laughs> and uh, we were having – we were we were getting all these great emails from people because we had asked people if you could redo one thing if we gave you a seat on the time machine and you could go back and and fix one thing that you did wrong preferably in the eighties we're 80s. gonna deliver the Delorean yep yeah yeah we will give you the seat on the time machine but you have to have a good story for it and what we want to do is we want to get more stories in so we could do a whole podcast a time machine podcast if you will oh my god okay Professor Hawking tell me in your robot voice how this is scientifically possible. It is obviously a podcast time machine. The, the stories we got were just amazing. I mean, these. Yeah. Yeah, except from that jagoff Ed in Springfield. Yeah, that guy. Was <laughs> that one of them? What a, what a sad sack guy that is. So. <laughs> that was best podcast ever. <laughs> Jeez. 
That was so great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <coughs> send us your ones. I mean, preferably 80s-based. But if you can make a compelling case for you know, why it's not, that's good, too. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And uh, we'll, we'll have some fun at your expense. <laughs> do you want them to uh, just send in a letter or would you want them to record it and have them? No, no. Letters are okay. fine. If, if you really want to go to all the trouble of recording it and sending it in, yeah, be my guest. But but a letter will be fine. Yeah. Drew, do you have a – we, have we asked Drew what his experience was? I have been? to think about it. There's quite a few. I'd have to narrow it down. I may, Maybe I'll toss in a letter for this Time Machine podcast okay. thing. I, I yeah, I'm. Uh, there's there's a few that I have major regrets on, and yeah, I don't know if I, I God, I don't know if I can. It's how bad that. I want to embarrass myself and admit yeah. to something. That's you know, Spears needs your pain in addition to his pain at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need my pain. Anyway, that'll be fun. Uh, so get cracking on that, and we'll uh, plan that for the near future. In the meantime, we will have future editions of Rockers Gone Solo in the 80s. If you want to suggest uh, some names, we, we've got some names already stored up to do, but we're yeah. always happy to add go, more. Go buy some of these albums. The, I think I bought both of those Rick Ocasek albums on iTunes for like five ninety nine a piece. Oh, really? They were that cheap? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely downloaded uh, Roadrunner. That was oh, – yeah. love that song. Um, yeah. So cool. So enjoy it. Uh, buy some Tina Turner. Buy some Jonathan Richmond. Buy, buy some Rick Ocasek. Uh, make an investment in the 80s. That's all I can say. <laughs> I feel Good like call. A- that's, a, that's a great – oh, my gosh. What a tagline. You think that the, that a great the hour 10 they've already been listening and investing in our 80s podcast? Yeah, throw a little cash in there, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You're going to drive to work anyway. Listen yeah. to the podcast. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in the meantime, uh, Brad, Drew, and I, we will remain here hopelessly. Stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. A lovely riff. <laughs> that, that was the most whatever a- intro I've ever heard. There we go. Oh, this thing's never going to end.